0: Morning. uh, We'll begin in Matthew chapter four. Matthew four, verses eighteen to twenty two.
1: Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in, a, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called to them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about... I'm right. that's oh, sorry. That's right. Mm, that's right.
0: <clears throat> this is the call of Jesus to... the beginning of the call of Jesus to his disciples. And you see where Jesus has said that we must forsake all to follow him. And you see that they did that. And th- but that was the beginning. The forsaking of all was the beginning, not the end. And then there's this whole making of disciples. And the making of disciples of Jesus is a, it was a learning process. And in the same way, we find that uh, these disciples are very similar to us, in that we are called to be disciples, too, of Jesus. And we are called to forsake all, and then we learn to follow him. And he puts us through a process which is similar to the process that he put his disciples through in some ways. Not in every way, but in some ways. And it's important, there's been many sermons preached on this, it's very important for the Christian to recognize this process of discipleship that he puts us through. So from there we go to uh, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8, verses 23 to 27.
1: Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? And he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him?
0: There's a lot of things in this passage that you can see that are obvious. But you notice that the most important is is that you see a big difference between Jesus and his disciples in the way they looked at the same problem. That they were in complete panic and fear. And uh, they had uh, no faith. Jesus exposed their unbelief. And he asked them, why are you afraid? And you see the difference between Jesus and the disciples is really big and the way they look at life and the way they approach problems. And so he begins to show us that we're not very much like him at all. In in 1 John chapter 2 it says that they who say they know him must walk as Jesus walked, must live like him. And I say, well, you can see that Jesus at the the beginning of his ministry and the beginning of his discipling his disciples, he showed them the difference between him and them and how far they were from him. And as you go through this whole sequence of these three and a half years of discipleship, you see that all these great challenges, you see how the disciples are inadequate. Their disciples are completely unequipped for the calling of Jesus at this point. All throughout these three and a half years, you see their failures, their blindness, and Jesus keeps on exposing it. They see his miracles. They see his power. They see the way he lives. They see his holiness. They see his perfection. They see his whole manner of life. And yet, they're not changed. He explained his parables to them, the mysteries of the kingdom of God, still weren't changed. They professed that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. They believed that's who he was. But they still weren't ready. In Matthew 14,25, as we continue down the road here, Matthew 14 we'll start with verse uh, 22 to uh, 32, or 33. 20, 22 to
1: 33. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and began beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Truly, you are the Son of God. <clears throat> But the question
0: is, were their hearts converted? Were they ready now? As the, were they a finished product as disciples of Jesus? And as we see, no. But they believe that Jesus was the Son of God. But yet they're not equipped yet. And so, we see in this case, Peter, he gets brave enough to say, okay, if it's you, Lord, and see you walk in the water, let me come out to you. And Jesus says, come. And he goes out and he's doing fine when his eyes are on Jesus. And he takes his eyes off of Jesus and down he goes. And it's a lesson for all of us about staying the course of walking by faith continually, not just up and down like Peter was here. Because we do that. But it's the school... Of discipleship that Jesus is bringing us through to learn of him he said learn of me and he teaches us of him he says it is God who is at work in us to do into will of his good pleasure and that's the process of God at work in us not to do our own will but to do his will and there has to be a transformation a transition a change if any man is in Christ he is a new creature Change, a changed person. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid it began to sink. Our senses, if we listen to them, will lead us astray. The things that we see and we hear, the things that we feel, our own understanding, they lead us astray. And so, again, you see that the disciples aren't there yet. So then we go to Luke chapter 22. And we will read, in Luke 22, we'll read verses 20 to 34.
1: Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Then he began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as, a, as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits on, at the table or he who serves? It is not he who sits at the table, yet I am among you as the one who serves. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials. And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren, but he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. And then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. Mm-hmm.
0: So in this passage here, Jesus, this is at the end of the Last Supper, and Jesus, after he hands out the cup, he announces that one of them was going to betray him. One of the twelve was going to betray him. Of course, it was Judas, we know. But after, they begin to ask themselves, well, who would do such a thing? Who? Which one of us would do such a thing? But then, in the middle of all that, in this, in this horrible revelation, they start arguing and disputing amongst themselves who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And It was an argument, it was a dispute, it was an argument. You see the pride of life taking over here. They had no idea what was about to happen. Jesus's arrest and his his crucifixion were going to happen. The, that, you know, his arrest was going to happen that very night and the next day he's going to be crucified. And they are sitting there arguing who is going to be the greatest among the disciples. In the kingdom of God, there is a striving among themselves that who will be better than the next? Exalting themselves over one another. And you see that they had no idea about what the kingdom of God was really about. And Jesus explained to them, he says, it's not like the people of the world. Those who are in the greatest, they lord it over the people of the earth, he says. But he says, I am... You know, he, here he is, son of God, and he became a servant. He washed their feet and he laid down his life not only for them, but for all of us. And that's what the kingdom of God is really about. Not who we can exalt ourselves over, but who we can serve. Not who can serve us, but who we can give our lives for. And so then... he confronts, he talks to Peter and he says, You know, Simon, Satan wants to destroy you, but I prayed for you, that your faith would not fail. And after you are converted, the word converted means to be changed. After you are changed, if you're converted, your heart's changed, strengthen your brothers. And Peter in his pride and his uh, confident self-confidence, he proclaims this, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Self-sufficiency, trusting in ourselves, trusting in our own natural abilities and strength, the pride of life. And not only is it exposed but to the point of embarrassment. Jesus said that he would deny him three times, that he even know him. And of course, in other accounts, it says that Peter said that's you know, not true. And of course it was. And God shows us and takes us through a process to bring us to the end of self-confidence. Our own wisdom and our own strength in our own appearance and our own abilities our own wisdom brings us to the end of all that. And that's a process. What does he do to do that? All we have to do is to open our eyes and to see the things that God has been bringing us through. The valleys and the hills and the, the, ma- the mountaintops and the, and the valleys and everything else. The process of life. That he's been bringing us through. It is a process of God at work in us to make us disciples of Jesus. For real. The end of ourselves, the end of pride, the end of our own desires, the end of our own will to bring us to the place of walking in the will of God. It is God who is at working us to do and to will of his pleasure. Not our pleasure, but his. And you can see with his disciples it was a painful process to the point where Peter was completely humiliated. It says he went out and wept after he did all these things that Jesus said he would do. He's completely humiliated. And then, they they are in verses 45 and 46. They're in the Garden of Gethsemane.
1: When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise up and pray, lest you enter into temptation.
0: Mm-hmm. Three times he went and prayed, and he told his disciples to watch and pray, lest they enter into temptation, which they did. They fell asleep instead of watching and praying, like Jesus said. Now, if we would, if the story stopped right here, and this is the end of the story, the conclusion we would come to was, Boy, these disciples were a complete and total failure that Jesus called. Why did He call these guys? They're complete failures. They keep on stumbling and falling down, and they're 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 fighting with each other, and and, and they're arguing, and they want to call fire down from heaven to burn the 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 whole city of Samaria and all the people in it. And and Jesus keeps on having to rebuke them and and uh, readjust them and their thinking and. You know, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of, Jesus said to them. And it's just this continual thing. But the fact is, the story doesn't stop there. And this is important for the Christian when he looks at himself, and someone who believes this message, but looks at himself and sees himself not to be everything that God wants him to be, not doing everything right, that it's not time to throw up the white flag, and say, well, that's just who I am, it's a time to look on and to see that God is at work in us to change us into the image of his Son. To change us to be like Jesus, so that we will walk like Jesus. And to not be discouraged in our trials, but to understand that there is the God of heaven who created heaven and earth is at work in us. Do His will and His pleasure, not our will and our pleasure, but His will and His pleasure. And the fact of the matter is, we naturally will fight that process, and we will be angry and frustrated at times with these things. You can see it in Peter. What are you talking about, Lord? I never, I'm never going to, you know, I'll even die with you. What are you talking about? The, the nature of the flesh to, to rise up and. You know, and so Jesus is arrested, crucified, tried and crucified, rose from the dead. And that's where we pick it up in um, Mark 16, the last chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 16, and we'll read from verse one
1: to
0: verse
1: six. Now, when the Sabbath was I'm past, sorry, to look, verse seven. I'm sorry. Okay. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb where the sun, when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, "Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him, as he said to you."
0: Okay. The two words I want you to focus on are the words and Peter. Mm-hmm. Go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee. He's risen. And he made it a point of of mentioning Peter by name. He had 12 apostles. Why did he mention Peter and Peter? Why did he go and do that? Why did he say that? Well, Jesus, we read a few weeks ago, he knew what was in all men. And he knew that Peter was embarrassed and humiliated, but yet the calling didn't change; he was still calling him, and the calling was to you know to meet him. he was risen to announce that to him as well as the others but he mentioned he didn't mention any of the other eleven disciples; he mentioned only Peter by name, and that is a message about No matter how much we fail, don't be discouraged. God is at work in us. And you see that Jesus was at work in the life of Peter. And you see that he took a man who had completely failed and humiliated and embarrassed himself, and he changed him. And he was converted. And he was changed. And they saw Jesus alive, And then, as we go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, after he appears to them, verses 44 to 49.
1: Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So in the upper
0: room, after Jesus presented himself to them after his resurrection, and after he showed them his wounds and everything else, It says he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures, the prophecies concerning Jesus being the Christ. He opened their understanding. So God opens our understanding about the word of God, about the Bible, about the Holy Scriptures, that Jesus indeed is the Christ, and that it was predicted by all these truths. God is the one who opens our understanding about these things. Jesus said no one can come to me unless the father draws him. And no one knows the father except the son and the one to whom he reveals him to. There's this revealing of God that God does. He opens our understanding. He does that. We don't do that. He opens our understanding. The study of the scriptures is not a matter of scholarship. The study of the scriptures, and to be able to understand them, is a work of God, to open our understanding. We read in Acts, I believe it's chapter 14, when Paul is preaching, he says that God opened uh, Lydia's heart to take heed to the things that Paul was preaching. God opened her heart. So we understand that, that God does these things. And so after he opened understanding of the disciples, yet he told them there's one more thing you need. So you wait here. You're not ready to be my witnesses yet. You're not ready to go out and be my witnesses yet. There's one more thing. You've got to wait in Jerusalem till you receive the promise from the Father, he says, wait there until you are endued with power from on high. And we read that again, written by the same author, Luke, in Acts chapter 1, as we read verses 1 to 6, I'm sorry, 1 to uh, 8. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8.
1: former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after through the Holy Spirit had given, him, given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs
0: He opened their understanding, but they were told to wait till they received power. They were still thinking, well, you know, you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel over this time. You know, you're going to set up your kingdom here on the earth at this time. See, so they still were not, their understanding was not completely, they didn't completely understand what was going on. what was about to happen that they didn't realize was Jesus was just about to leave them. His ascension was just about to happen. And he told, wait for them. And you read right after this, Jesus ascended back up into heaven. And that was the end of his physical, pretty much the end of his physical appearance until his return. And so he left them and he told them to wait. And they would receive power. The Apostle Paul said, we have not received the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, of self-control. And that is the power that is promised to the Christian. And it is not a matter of self-will and um, self-sufficiency. It is not a matter of doing things on our own. Because if you want to see what that leads to, it leads to what the disciples were. Failures. They were not what God wanted them to be yet. But if you see Peter... And you think of him as a failure at before you see that after the holy spirit comes upon him he's a different man the same people that he was afraid of and denied Jesus for when he was arrested by them it says he was the one who got up and spoke he was the lead speaker he spoke on the day of pentecost he wasn't afraid. In the same city where the Jesus was arrested, where Jesus was crucified outside the gates of the city. And there he was preaching to a, a crowd. And then 3,000 people converted right after the same day He, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon Peter. And then he was arrested. And then he was brought before the same court that condemned Jesus to death. And Peter spoke first again. And when they told him, that he shouldn't preach in that name. He said, we ought to obey God and not men. No fear like before. And so it is a spirit that was different than the one he had before. A changed life. And that is a message for us too. That we are called to be disciples of Jesus. And we see in ourselves that we're not adequate. That we don't have what it takes to live the life that Jesus lived. So what do we do? This is what we read here. Wait on the Lord until we receive from him. Jesus said, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit that would be given. And he said that to a crowd. He didn't say that to just his disciples. He said to a whole crowd of people. And that message is to each of us to come to Jesus and to stop making our lives so busy that we don't have time to to have a relationship with him and to not serve money and to not serve ourselves and not serve our flesh on our own pleasures. Because if we do, we're fighting against what God is calling us to, what God is at work doing in us, to do his will and to do his pleasure and not our own. And there's going to be this inner conflict and there's going to be no peace in our hearts. And we're going to be troubled on the inside. There's going to be a turmoil and a tempest going on within because we're fighting the will of God. It's our will against his will. And it's a match that we're not going to win. But it can create a lot of turmoil and wreckage in our life as we see the complete humiliation of Peter. You know... The, the lead spokesman, he said, who do you say I am? And Peter spoke up, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And he was a lead spokesman of Jesus' disciples uh, before his embarrassment. When he denied Jesus three times after he said he would die with Jesus, with the inadequacy of the disciples until they come to him and drink. And when they wait on him and they come to him and drink, then they are different people. And they live like Jesus. And they continued the work of Jesus and the work of the ministry that Jesus began. And they live powerful, fulfilled lives. And if we feel like we're not... This message is for us, each of us today, me and you. If we feel like we're not everything that we should be in God, don't be discouraged. Don't just accept mediocrity, don't just accept defeat, but to come to him and drink. To spend time with him and draw close to him and he will draw close to us. And there will be changes and the power of God to change us and to do his will, the things that he is working in our lives That we'll be we'll be on board with that. And we'll be in sync with what God's doing and not fighting with what God is doing in our lives. Be filled with the Spirit. Any man, come to me all your burden heavily laden, and I will give you rest. The message is not just to the unbeliever, it's to the Christian. Peace and rest in Christ. Come to me. That's where the source is. Jesus says it several times, come to me. Come to me and I will give you what you need to walk as I walk. Well, and we have a decision to make about that am i just going to accept mediocrity and just kind of ride the fence or am i going to be all in and you know make the time to be with the lord and to and to come to him and drink and to believe this message of empowerment and sufficiency in Christ and not in ourselves this is a matter this is a step of faith that we must incorporate into our life this is what god is telling us in this in this in these scriptures as we read them Jesus took these men who abandoned him, who were seeming to be failures, inadequate, and he made them what he wanted them to be. We have hope in that. That we can be everything that God wants us to be. To do and to will of his good pleasure. But... We shouldn't be discouraged in the process he's bringing there. What is the process? Life. The things that are in our life. And we fight. We don't want these things. We don't care for them. We hate them. Life is happening. To change us. To do God's will, not our own. But it's not going to happen if we continue to fight the process. We'll continue to be instructed in the same lessons over and over and over again and the, and, the, and never learn from our mistakes and our insufficiencies and our failures or we will. we understand and submit to the process of God making us his disciples, the do and to will of his good pleasure. That's what I have. Okay.